Uh, so are you drinking your, uh, your pineapple cider or? Yes. Okay. I have a delightful pineapple cider here. What are you drinking? I am drinking a Lambrusco. Um, so sparkling red, chilled, uh, real great in the middle of the afternoon. And uh, it rules pretty hard. That actually sounds like the perfect beverage for this weather. I'm to be honest, super about it. I uh, got it last weekend, and so uh, yeah, today was the perfect day for it. <laughs> I remember working at this one restaurant, and I know that Lambrusco is probably not something that a lot of people would know about if they're not like heavy in the wine world. I guess like it's not something that you would just like walk in and pick up if you don't have some kind of knowledge. I think yeah, for the most part. Uh, but I remember working at a restaurant and. This woman asked for a sparkling white wine, mm-hmm. and one of one of the servers went and opened this bottle of really expensive Lambrusco, and this woman was repulsed when she saw the color. I remember I was manager at the time, and I remember we had to void it. And I remember the bar. I had to talk the bartender off a ledge. Like he was infuriated. <laughs> he was so angry that she had wasted this bottle because not enough people were buying it. So we had to like hard sell it just so it wouldn't go to waste. Right. Well, and. People be idiots sometimes, which is also hard because like people just want what they want, which I get, but like this could be a whole new thing for you. You're out eating like this. This could be a whole new world. It should be an experience. Right. Challenge yourself. Exactly. If you're just going to do the same old, then you should do the same old at home. (laughs) You know, like in sweatpants. Yeah, like this entire quarantine has probably offered you that opportunity. And so why weren't you out living your fucking life before all this? No, everyone's everyone's going to realize how sick they are of like bottled sangria now, hopefully. <laughs> you oh. know, like like hopefully hopefully this leads people to be more adventurous when they're out because they're like I'm sick of eating the same like right. grilled chicken and broccoli every night. Or yeah, the shit they would choose for themselves. Um I know I am. I want someone to serve me something I have never heard of. Um, I have not been this reliant on like, I don't want to say pre-made food because that's not the accurate descriptor, but like I, there's a massive bowl of pasta salad in my fridge right now that, because I'm just like, I'm tired of cooking. Like I become very reliant on the easy Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to like be reliant on the easy, but pay people for it. Totally. Um, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, absolutely hear you and I also um (laughs) am like now that I am solo dolo for so much of my time I'm like okay these are the things that I'm willing to spend money on my precious little money on that like actively boost my life or like my quality of life and it's like dumb shit like water balloons and then like oh my god yes I saw that you got them on Instagram (laughs) uh yeah it's Amazing. Just having them around makes me really happy. Uh, I bought a dartboard and um, just like, yeah, and just getting food made by someone else that I have not, would not, or am not willing to make for myself (laughs) (laughs) is such a luxury and so nice. So I'm going to have you start out. Let's do a little mini bio. Like, tell me about yourself. Oh. Um, (laughs) my name is Rebecca Brooks. I am a 29 year old butcher at Dixon's farm stand meats in Chelsea market. 
And I, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about me. I lived in New Orleans before this, and I grew up in Wisconsin before that. And um, I love television. <laughs> and uh, I recently started reading books again, which is probably one of the least flattering facts about me I could give, but it's God's, God's honest truth. So here we are. See, I think that that's kind of a, a flattering thing to say. Like, I want to say that I've gotten into reading books again. <laughs> like, I've, I, I actually have a shelf in my room where I've taken all of the books that were sitting on it. I've taken them off, mm-hmm. and they're all in piles on my floor. And I'm starting this new thing where I will not put a book back on my shelf until I've completed it. Ooh, that's because like- that's my detriment. I will like start a book. And I'll either just get really busy and forget about it, or I will lose discipline and just not force myself to finish. It's so easy to like lose steam or like, have you ever been just like emotionally confronted while reading a book and you're just like, not willing to go there? (laughs) Shut. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I'm reading a book right now on my friend Megan's recommendation. It's called The Night Circus. Okay. I, it was one I was reading at work. Mm-hmm. And for all the listeners who don't know, I work with Rebecca at Dixon's Farm Stand Meats. Um, but I there, – there's a lot of like um, intimacy issues okay, in the word. book between mm-hmm. the characters. And it's a lot of like as a reader, when you read it, you're just like, oh, come on. Like just, just say how you're feeling. Just like do it. Resolve the issue. And then me as an individual, I'm like – but I know that that's easier said than done. Oh, yeah. Well, like, it's really hard to watch people crash into a mistake you see coming. And like, that's really hard for me. Yet something in my life, I take almost no action to resolve. That's my attraction to reality TV. Mm. I don't know why. I love to cringe at reality TV, especially like romance-based ones. Like we we talked about love is blind briefly, but of course. I have some really fun questions for you. I know that you're a fan of the always classic Would You Rather? Oh. Such such a fan. <laughs> All right. So my first Would You Rather, because I just I don't know what made me think of this yesterday. I was typing these out last night. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have every food that you eat taste like fruity pebbles? Or would you have every dessert that you try taste like pennies? Um, uh, ooh. <laughs> um, well, Fruity Pebbles stay yummy. Like, they're good. Um, pennies aren't actively good, but they're not, like, a total bad. So I would probably say for my own well-being, I would rather have my, like, <sighs> God. I just, like... <laughs> I think I would rather have all my desserts taste like pennies, and that's really hard for me to say considering all I've had to eat today are like it's it's just caffeine and your cookies and now <laughs> alcohol. Um, and so I love desserts, but I think I would rather lose desserts and still be able to have like kachipuri and like grits <laughs> taste like kachipuri and grits. So um, I think I'm gonna like, lose my desserts. 
And I know, I know how much of a sweet tooth you have. So I know that must be so difficult for you to actually verbalize. Yeah. You've, you put me in a tight ass spot there. I was so excited about it. I was like, I know, I know the pennies thing with the sweets. Ugh. Well, I'm like, I mean, <laughs> I've eaten a penny or two in my lifetime. Uh, don't get me wrong. Been around that block, but, uh, I, yeah. Uh, fuck. <laughs> If you had like a walk-in song, Mm -hmm. like if you had a song that could play every time you enter the room, like announcing your presence, what would it be? Um, I've gone over this one several times and every time I hear a new like slapping bitchin song, I'm like, oh, that's my walk-in song. But the first one that came to mind, um, and it's just like the lead into the song, right? It's not like whole ass song. No, like a like if you were like a baseball player and you had a walk up song, right? Like that, but like your intro to every room. Um, probably "Party Up" by DMX. Um, that's a very good one. I just it just gets you like hooping and hollering. It's so good. See, I'd be so worried about like the oversell. Like, I'd be worried that I'd be hyping the room up too much for my presence, and then I would just be so like such a letdown. <laughs> uh well that's the thing it doesn't like it's just a song like it's like maybe that's just really like little dick energy of me to like have a fucking pump up song and then me just be like a regular regular person um but like you might as well get people amped and let them know that you're there like what what song would you pick what is like a you don't want a lukewarm song to announce. Well, so that's so funny because I was thinking about, so every time, like when I was like writing all of these questions, I was like, how would I answer? Like if anyone said like, what about you? Like, I don't want to be like, uh, what? (laughs) Um, So I was thinking about what my answer would be to this. And it's so bizarre. And I know that it's so crazy and probably not a lot of people would get it, but actually like Sally's song from A Nightmare Before Christmas. Wait. Yeah, like I just want to just like ethereally like float into every room <laughs> with like very like mysterious vibes. Like I'm imagining like the the like slow like synthesizer and like the I feel there's something in- like and I'm just like oh, flowing in. My God, you know, because like that would be quite an entrance, very unforgettable. I think. I think that's a really. I think that's incredible. I think that's a very well thought out because it's it's super memorable, but like not bombastic. And it's just like, ooh, like, did it just get like but 10 maybe, degrees colder in here? And, no, and that's what it is. Like, I want to send, I want you to be scared of me when I walk in because I want you to just like not understand me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not terribly intimidating, but like, I, I must keep you on your toes. Right. Ah, that's. <laughs> ah. Fuck. Something else is going to come to me now that's like more tailored to my personality. And yeah, yell it out. out. (laughs) Just just start singing it. No, you should, as you should. That's the only proper response. Maybe it's all that jazz from Chicago. I don't know. I'll think about it. Oh my God. That's so good. I don't know. What what was I watching where they were talking about like, oh, um, I guess like James Corden does like a riff off with people on his show sometimes. I think I found it on YouTube accidentally. Mm-hmm. And it was like James Corden and Neil Patrick Harris doing a Broadway rip off, a riff off. 
Mm-hmm. And like a category comes up and they're like sexy songs. And Neil Patrick Harris sang all that jazz from Chicago. But then I was thinking like anything from Chicago, just like that jazziness is just so it's like just so sexy in general. Yeah, it's it's sexy, but it's also like, like, like kind of tacky. I don't know. It's just uh, it makes me laugh so, really hard. Yeah, no, it's like when I think about some of the music from Chicago, I understand that they're trying to do like the whole like Bob Fosse thing and all that, but there's just something very humorous about it to me. I did, I was a competitive dancer in high school and I did a dance to um, Mama. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah. It was, I just remember being in high school and, and there's like this one part of the song where it's like, um, spice it up for mama she'll get hot for you or whatever and she like squats down and slaps her inner thighs oh i yeah and i remember i remember thinking like that's so appropriate for the song but also like well it's very and- like um the for all the listeners out there jess is the <laughs> opposite body type in every way to queen latifah <laughs> and so Imagining how I've seen Queen Latifah do it and then seeing you do it is I am not voluptuous. I am yeah, it's it was a lot. I have so many I moves. I'm a much better dancer now Mm -hmm. than I was in high school because I didn't understand how to like control my limbs. (laughs) And you had limbs for days. Yeah. Weeks. Is there any um footage of you doing mama? I'm pretty sure. I bet if I like go into the archives of like some people's, because you know people used to put everything that they took on video on Facebook back when we were in high school, and it's not that way anymore, thank goodness. But I would bet if I like went balls deep in my high school friends' Facebook videos, I could probably find a video or two. It exists out there. Yeah, Facebook. Everything, the bank. Everything's of everyone's most like now most embarrassing memories. Oh, I I use that. I like go on and off with deactivating my Facebook pretty much constantly. I'm not an avid social media user like outside of Instagram, I guess. But I use those like, you have this many memories with this many people. I'm like, great. So I know what I'm deleting today. Like I know what I'm like cleaning up. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> it's just so weird. I think about how obsessed I was with my high school boyfriend and like not even the the better of the two, like the crazy one. I was so obsessed with him. It was disgusting. Not even the better of the two. <laughs> um, well, do you ever like notice when you look back through like your Facebook 10,000 pictures that you're tagged in that like, like for me, I'm like, oh, I don't really smile like I'm trying in pictures, I guess for the past 14 years or whatever it is. Just like, uh, yep, didn't smile for real at all only yes. jokey faces and it's like what is what wrong <laughs> who, is who you? hurt you <laughs> <laughs> but well, why? Like, so, my my issue is that i think that i'm smiling and then i look at the pictures after the fact and i look so fucking angry <laughs> but i genuinely think that i'm smiling like i one of my friends is a, a photographer and she's incredible and like i did i think i told you about this i took portraits with her uh-huh and she's like, she's like, smile. And I remember the moment. I like remember looking back over my shoulder and I remember thinking that I look so happy. And then when I saw the pictures, I was like, oh, like, this is why people tell me that I'm so difficult to read. Like, I thought that I was, that I was projecting like so much joy. Mm-hmm. And I look, I look like someone just shit on my feet. <laughs> 
like a fat stinker on your feet. Great. Like right, like right, like directly in front of me. I'm just like, mm. Hmm. And I, I, in my head, thought that I was like so joyful. Dude, that is some shit though. Um, like when someone actually gives you their take on how they see you and you're like, wait, excuse me? Uh, yeah. And it's just like <laughs> how, you're, how you think you're perceived in the truth it's really eye-opening and like I think it's uh such bliss to go through and like not know that about yourself and like live your true genuine authentic self but like a good check every once in a while of like you think you're reading this and actually people are seeing this I think it's a, a good thing to get a little check every once in a while that's why it's important to have friends that are honest Oh my God. Absolutely. Or like, yeah, just, it takes a certain level of trust. (laughs) Yes. Those friends that will tell you without being scared of you. Like if, if you can tell me that I'm like fucking up or that like something's wrong with me, Mm -hmm. then I think that that's like a good, a sign of a good bond. Sign of a good bond. And it's an art done. Like you can be like very forthright with it, but it's a, it's an art to do it tactfully. Like, um, like that's a, like giving someone feedback and be like, um, I, are you acting out? <laughs> like it's, uh, yeah. it, it's really, it's really difficult. And I don't think it really gets any easier. I think you just only get practice, like serving up some horde truths. Well, I feel like, so actually I'm going to have a, a later episode on tact because I don't know shit about tact. Oh, I mean, it's, I'm sure like tact is, <laughs> I don't have it. Please. Um, I will, I'll be taking notes. It's like Uh, not a skill of mine. I'm very jagged. Like I am not. (laughs) No. It's so hard. Um, I really respect when I see people like give advice or feedback in a good tactful way. And I'm like, damn, I see what they did there. And I really respect it. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. I have Two more random questions for you. Hit me. That's not that's not true. I'll probably have a bunch more. <laughs> um, this is actually my favorite question to ask. I've asked this to pretty much everyone that I've worked with. I think that this is a very telling. I might have actually asked you this before. Um, I think that the answer to this question is very telling of someone who works in food. But what's your favorite artificial flavor? Ah. Uh, all right. I have to like go through the checklist um, of ones I fucking despise. Um, but I also I don't I don't want a generic answer. Like I I fucking hate when people say like I love artificial cherry, and I'm like oh so like a Jolly Rancher or like a Hall's cough drop. Like that's not I need specifics. Okay, because every every like brand's artificial flavor I feel like is different. I'm very passionate about this question. I tell you, I like, I genuinely ask this of everyone and I will, I'll lay the foundation. This of me before. Um, My, my favorite mm -hmm. is um, melon high chews and it's like artificial cantaloupe. Okay. But it's artificial cantaloupe that tastes like remarkably close to actual cantaloupe. I mean, I, there's something so weirdly satisfatisfying to me about like a, um, like a taro bubble tea. 
I used to get Ooh. them when I was like a child. I was a very picky eater. And like my sister got one one time and I tried it and I was like hooked. And um, so like really any like weird milky bubble tea, specifically taro, because I don't think I've had real like taro anything. Um, I don't think I have either. But uh, that is like an artificial comes to mind. Um, also, like, I used to go hog wild over like some zebra cakes and nothing in that <gasps> is real. Yeah. Did you just Anything- get chili bumps all over your body? I, because I did. I, I sat up straight thinking about that brings me straight back to like elementary school. Mm-hmm. We used to have like, you would have like your hot lunch, like you'd go up and you'd go down the line, you'd get your lunch, you'd pay for it or whatever. But towards the end of our lunch period, they would roll out this little wire rack and it would be like quote unquote snack time. And there was like honey buns and zebra cakes. And that's where I learned that I was like borderline sexually attracted to little Debbie's cosmic <laughs> brownies. Like cos- cosmic brownies, I would do anything for a box of cosmic. That's not true. Not anything. But like I would do a lot for a box of cosmic brownies. Yeah. Yeah. And zebra cakes alike. I just, woof. Um, I'm going to add just a little addendum to that. And um, <laughs> I, in high school, probably had three to five chocolate, chocolate chip Otis Spunkmeyer uh, muffins. Yeah. Um, from the vending machine. And like, always like right before soccer practice where we'd have to run wind sprints and I'd be like why do I feel so bad and it's like because you ate three muffins today and had six ounces of water you dumb bitch I think well I mean so today what's what time is it okay today since I've woken up this morning I've had a matcha latte that like wasn't actually matcha it's fake matcha like collagen shit i had a bunch of broken cookies and two pineapple ciders like while i'm decorating cookies this morning every like couple of them kept snapping because they're just so soft (laughs) god damn they're so soft (laughs) so i had to be quite delicate but i kept snapping them and it's one of those things where like you get frustrated because i'm trying to be productive and i'm trying to actively make like everyone that breaks just means i have to make more so i'm getting pissed off (laughs) <laughs> but at the same time it's breaking in front of me and I'm like there's all of this icing and these sprinkles and this warm spiced cookie like I just can't let it go to waste no god no so I must eat it mm-hmm. just these cookies though uh <laughs> um, I'm I not just- like a sugar cookie and this is like <laughs> hold me back <laughs> Damn good. So the next question I've got for you, just a fun, like, get to know you question. If you were committed, if you were, like, locked in an asylum, how would you convince them that you were not meant to be there? Ooh. I can't answer because I probably am meant to be there. Um, probably just start by like talking to them and like asking them about themselves and just like trying to initiate regular conversation (laughs) give them like am I allowed to like call my my family like am I allowed to like I would assume okay I would say my way out of this I would assume that you could make like a single phone call like you would have to have an emergency contact or like someone would have to know you're there right so Um, I'll give you that I'll be like lenient with that Cause like, 
I rest firmly in the knowledge. Um, my mother, as a Jewish mother, has brought many sprint representatives to near tears. And <laughs> um, so I trust that if alerted, uh, Mindy would get that shit done. And so I think I would just like, you know what, be nice to everyone around me, not try and burn any bridges, just try and make as many positive relationships as I can, but know that the fucking cavalry is coming. That is... Uh, she really gets it done. That is incredible. <laughs> and honestly, that's not a thing that I would have thought of, but you saying that, like, kind of same. My mom, my, I mean, you like, I'm from a pretty large Italian family. <clears throat> And there was one, I can remember one scenario where my mom, we all went down to Disney together and my uncle is in a wheelchair, but Disney gave him a fast pass so that his kids could ride like under the stipulation that like the the fast pass was for his children so that him being handicapped did not have to wait while his kids were waiting in line. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, just because it was hot, you know, summer day, it was like Orlando in August. So So terrible. Just yeah. a fucking nightmare. Hell on earth. Great. <laughs> and I vividly remember it was the Toy Story ride. And the person that was collecting the fast passes at the Toy Story ride um, basically turned around and said, like, this fast pass is for this man. Like, his name is on it. So if he's not the one using it, no one else can use it. My mom and my aunt went, I don't want to say apeshit because, like, they were quite calm. Mm-hmm. But they were very terrifying. It was quite a sight to see oh man so i can imagine that's probably what would happen if i was like wrongfully committed i would definitely call my mom yeah well it's it's not that they would they would just like i mean yeah they would just care in their way to getting you out <laughs> Ugh, and i hate that that's true but it is what it, it is, is. Yeah. <laughs> it is true <laughs> okay mm-hmm. if you had Uh, See, there's so many like questions that I want to ask you because I know that you are, how do you say, you're a card carrying member of the Clean Plate Club, Empty Plate Club? (laughs) Clean Plate, yeah. Clean Plate Club. Uh Uh-huh. What is your preferred food city, New York or New Orleans? Oh, New Orleans by some stretch. I mean, of course. Really? New Orleans, or sorry, New York, um, you can get whatever you want, whenever you want it, but- if you're being honest with yourself, uh, there's a lot. There's a surprising amount of room for mediocrity in New York City. And is that uh, the truth? Yeah. So there's just instead of it being like, I guess the high may be slightly higher, but the middle is just way thicker in New York. And so <laughs> there's just plenty of things that are like fine or a little or like pretty good, but New Orleans. Like, you have to really come correct in order to compensate for the fact that in New Orleans, if you have a cocktail you that you order at the end of your meal and you don't finish it, you can just take it to go from any restaurant <laughs> where you are. Um, and, like, the takeout game is pretty strong. The 24-hour food game is decent. But, like, in New Orleans, dining is so much... I think a warmer hospitality um, as a whole and a little less competitive, which makes it just like a lot more fun. Pricing is great. 
and you can have your like hoity-toity French or like just un like ungodly good Vietnamese and um, it good. It's just maybe like my memories make it that much better. But like the nostalgia adds to it. Oh yeah, nostalgia is like the seasoning for. I have. I have yeah. heard that though. I've heard good things about the food scene in New Orleans. Yeah. Well, well. So since I don't know anything about, I, I take your word as fact. I won't even say it. It's like an opinion. I, I believe you, and I trust your judgment with my whole entire heart and soul. So I'll say that New Orleans is better. But let's say that you're like trapped in New York for a weekend, and all of a sudden it's the last weekend on Earth. Where are you going to eat? So my present reality. <laughs> Um, uh, listen, I didn't want to take it to like those dire. I didn't want to like make it feel very real. Yeah, but like, what are you, what are you doing next weekend? <laughs> well, that's it's a really good question, and I've been unbelievably fortunate to have had like a really lit food wise twenty twenty. Um, kicked off strong. Like you and I had a couple, like really just kind of. Phenomenal meals. Yeah, over the top. Phenomenal meals. Phenomenal (laughs) meals. And I kind of um, like front loaded my 2020 with just like eating very well at like highly esteemed or like hyped up restaurants. Yeah, we both super fast right out of the gate. Yeah, we, yeah, (laughs) we we came pretty quick. Um, Long and strong way. Yeah. And during quarantine, I have been getting a lot of takeout from places that I've been on my list, but um, like I just like haven't made it to, or have like just been too busy or whatever. So I've been able to like keep like crossing places off my list. So, I mean, if the end of the world came, my favorite dining experiences in New York by far have been where I'm with industry friends and always yeah and like I'm at a place where we have like capital T capital H the hookup and uh listeners just as (laughs) as a PSA and like advice pro tip whatever if you have a friend in the food industry let them take you out to eat let them do it they want to do it and it'll be a game changing experience. Just go, go with it. Let right. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> like you can buy a lot in New York. Your dollar can get you a lot of access, but there's no access like being an insider within an industry and absolutely not letting my friends take me, <laughs> uh, take me there has been like such a joy here in the city. And it's like such a great, like look into their world and what they care about. Um, so I would, do I have to, do I have to choose a restaurant or can I just leave it like that, which is an open-ended. You can leave it like that. I I do like that. That was very, um, I'm not going to give you like the full credit of saying it was poetic, but you were almost there. It was very nice to listen to. Okay. (laughs) sick <laughs> great 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 cool all right so now we're gonna get into some questions about butchery specifically because that's why i have you here mm-hmm. how did you get started in butchery because i know that that's not necessarily like what you went to school for and sure. i know the answer but the listeners don't yeah sure ain't i went to school in new orleans and studied english um was working 
in like media sales in New Orleans for a few years after I graduated. And I had always really loved meat and like cooked hella steaks in college and like for better or for worse, like really didn't know what I was doing, but just did it. And I, in my sorority, all of the seniors got superlatives and I was the queen of meat for that reason. I love that. I'm very jealous. Yeah. And so um, I was at my job. I had been there for uh, almost three years and was just realizing more and more that sales was not for me. And I was like, well, then, bitch, what is? And um, (laughs) it's like, if you're going to pivot, pivot, make it count. And so I found, I was like Googling, like, how to become a butcher and found a really awesome looking uh, butcher apprenticeship in Italy. And it was so startlingly perfect that it was like actually scary. Like I could never do this. It like seems too right. Like what if it didn't happen? Like what if it was so perfect that it didn't happen that I'd be crushed. And I mentioned it to a friend and she was like, Oh my God, I've actually been there. Like my parents know uh, like the owners and that just made it like a much more of a reality. Like, Oh, this isn't some far flung thing. It's like this world is so small. And um, so I applied and I interviewed and I like treated it like I was applying to college. And um, in like May of 2016, I gave notice at my job. And then um, early June or late May, I heard back that I had gotten this apprenticeship uh, apprenticeship making uh, salumi in Tuscany. And so... I did that for three months in the fall of 2016 and didn't really know what I want to do from there. But once I was there, I realized I really liked taking an animal apart and feeling practical and working precisely and learning in that kind of tactile, just hard way. And um, when I was done with that, I dicked around for six weeks and then moved to New York. So it was, was it butchery that brought you to New York or was it just like, I want to move there? Um, It was mostly butchery that brought me here. And I was on this like real kick of doing things that scared me and moving to New York was always something that the thought of it just really scared me. So I'm like, it means it's probably something I should do. Um, So it really is super intimidating. I think about that every day when I'm walking around or like leaving work. I'm just like, this is quite a city. It's quite a city. And it's like, it it's challenging, but it's fine. Anyone can live here, <laughs> truly. Like, it's not that hard. Truly. What is your favorite animal to break? Ooh. Um, and, and actually, preferably, do you, at first, I mean... Do you prefer to break from the rail or do you prefer to break from the table? If I am showing someone how to do something, table breaking is the way to do it. It's already so antithetical to look at half of like a pig on a table because you're looking at it inside out. And so like getting your mind when you're looking at like, especially if you don't look at dead animals all that often. It's like orienting yourself is pretty difficult. 
Uh, and so if I'm showing someone how to do it, um, breaking on a table with a whole animal, preferably a pig is really like the way to go. Um, so that's a great way to like introduce other people to butchery and kind of like how all of it works. Cause it's like a good scale. Like lamb is pretty small. Beef is huge. So big. Um, <laughs> so big. Um, but so like breaking a pig on the table is like, you're just classic. It's great. Um, it flows really easily. It's easy to maneuver. Um, it's beautiful right now. I like breaking, um, beef on a rail just cause it's hard and it's, it, it's really just fucking hard and it's athletic and, um, and it's like decently high risk and just, it's almost impossible to grasp the kind of like depth and nuance of it just by looking at it. And um, it's just really damn impressive. And so I'm always like, I've seen a lot of people do it and do it really well. And I just want to get there. So that's my newest challenge. And so I think that's my favorite. Why is athleticism so important in breaking animals? Yeah. Physical maneuvering and such. So you're, it's, uh, it's kind of hard <laughs> to describe. Like you're, like hooking and like grasping and like gripping so tight and like using your core to like pull things and you have to do it in such a way that like you're strategic and you're so you're using your left and right hand in conjunction like in a separate tandem so you get pretty good at like automatic motion but like coordinating two sides of your body at the same time and if you don't time it right, you're going to stab yourself. You're going to hurt yourself pretty badly. And so when you're breaking beef, especially on a rail, so using gravity, you're like doing just so much pulling. And if you imagine like all of the tendons and ligaments that keep our like 100 to 300 pound bodies together and like how tough those must be, imagine how tough they are for an animal that weighs, uh, a thousand pounds, two thousand pounds. So so much more than us. So strong and so big. And so you're strategizing, you're moving quickly, you're pulling, you're pushing, and then you're when muscles fall, which they do because you're working with gravity, you have to hook them in such a way that they don't hit the floor, but that you're able to pull them down, catch them, and then slap them up on the table so it's just um that and like using like these animals are on a rail so they can like spin 360 degrees so using that spin to your advantage it's a a, a delicate and brutal dance like it sounds like something that's incredibly like detail oriented mm -hmm. and very difficult and very controlled and then you don't think about the fact that like just getting it apart is a feat, but then getting it apart while maintaining the integrity of the meat itself is – it's a craft. Like it's genuinely difficult. Yeah, yeah it's uh, – I think it's – yeah, it's a really interesting combo <laughs> of sport and craft. Yeah, but the ballet is super real. What do you think is your – I know that you and I have talked about this before, but just in general. Like, what is your favorite cut of beef, pork, and lamb? 
the let's not say what's your favorite. Let's what do you think is like the most underrated? Like if you were walking into a butcher shop or like you were sending somebody into a butcher shop who knew nothing about anything, mm-hmm. what do you think would be like the best bang for your buck or like something that maybe flies under the radar usually, but would be like a dope pickup, especially with grilling season? For beef, I love a like tri-tip steak or roast. Um great grillable. Uh Super flavorful, decently tender, really nice, very forgiving. If you go like a little over medium rare, you're not going to be mad at yourself. Um, so the tri-tip is great. comes from the sirloin. It's like also known as the bottom sirloin or the Newport steak. Um, so that's great. Um, and then Dixon's sells a ton of them, but Denver steaks can be um, – they're st- – really rich that you can use them as like a boneless short rib. They're incredibly versatile. So you can braise them, you can sear them and eat them medium rare. So they're great for grilling. You can cut them thinly into like a boneless, like Colby short rib. So those are probably the most versatile steaks on the planet. Um, So for Memorial day, I would go ask your butcher about either of those two. For pork, a pork sirloin steak, I think is really underrated and really yummy or like a country rib. So it's like a ribeye, like the ribeye of a pig, but goes like just a little bit more into the shoulder. So it's a little more complex, a little less tender, but uh, dope flavor. And for lamb, what's what's good <laughs> on a lamb? Fuck a grill. Uh, a butterfly <laughs> leg of lamb is dank. Um also, the lamb loin chop, I make them periodically for my roommate, and she just goes nanners for them. Uh, so the lamb loin chops is just like the porterhouse of the lamb. Really good uh, alternative to like a rack of lamb. And then unsung hero of the lamb in terms of steaks, it's like a lamb uh, arm chop. It's like cross cut from the shoulder and it's decently tender the flavor is really good salt pepper sear um and it's great uh like less expensive if you're balling on a budget little lamb arm chop is really good what what do you think would be good if okay so I feel like a lot of people typically get their meat from like the meat section of a supermarket Uh so someone were making the jump I've had a few friends asking about this recently actually um, if you're making the jump moving from like supermarket steaks to finding a local butcher, like something on a smaller scale, what do you think are ideal questions that you should – like walking into a butcher shop for the very first time, mm-hmm. what are things that you want to ask your butcher or like questions your butcher would appreciate answering? Well, depending on how much you already know about your butcher, like do you already know that they're like a whole animal shop or like do they you advertise? Don't know shit about shit. You they saw a sign that shit. said butcher. You saw a sign that said butcher and you said, I don't want to get my meat from Wegmans anymore. Great. So um it's hard to talk with people behind the counter. I get that. I I live that. Um so go in and use your ojos. Um take a look around. Do, is there any signage that mentions their farms? Is there any signage um, or anything in the store that says anything about their suppliers and not just their grade of meat? So a lot of places will say USDA choice, USDA prime, that kind of, um, as we say in the biz, doesn't mean huevos. Um, (laughs) If you're like looking for meat that is sourced well, 
um, grading is just like a service that the USDA prov- uh, is, is a paid service that the USDA provides to slaughterhouses. So smaller slaughterhouses aren't often going to even opt into that. So prime choice, just forget it. Um, ask about their farms or look to see if they're bragging about their farms or being whole animal. Um, so that's a good, that's a good one. Um, and then from there, just have an idea and say like, look, this is how much time I have. This is how much I'm willing to spend. This is how many people I'm trying to feed. What should I do? And any butcher worth their salt, um, will be able to steer you in the right direction and be your meat consultant from there. That's what I was thinking recently. I feel like we have a bunch of experienced and knowledgeable butchers that work with us at the shop, but I feel like it's a great addition that all of those people also know how to prepare the meat. Like they can definitely talk you through like what to do after you buy it. Right. And it helps you so much as a butcher to like, you have to cook. Like you've got to like see this through to the end to like provide a better experience for your customer and to like know how you can be a better butcher. Like you're like, this is actually really tough. We, this is not how we should be like labeling this or marketing it or cutting it. Like you should know how it looks when it comes out of its packaging on a counter at home. Uh, and so, yeah, you have to be able to like, you got to be able to coach people through. <laughs> What do you think are some unwritten rules of your job or like unwritten rules for being a butcher? Like obviously when you walk into a restaurant, you know that everyone that's in the kitchen should be washing their hands and like should have a towel on them. Like what are some things that people might not know? Hmm. That's a good one. I'm especially guilty of this, but um, every shop has like kind of a different system with their knives. And so like not using another butcher's knives and I can be – I'm going to go ahead and be the inaugural person to use the C word on this uh, podcast (laughs) and say, I can be a a huge cunt when it comes to people using my knives or me (laughs) suspecting that people are using my knives. I want to like play that air horn, like the first first drop of the C word. Air horn drop. It's official. It's happened. I'm not calling anyone else, just myself. Um, I can be a real (laughs) knife cunt. And so um, knives... Oof, there's like bandsaw etiquette. Um, like don't leave a knife on the bandsaw. Try not to talk to anyone while they're like, and like give people a wide berth when they're using the bandsaw. Cause like, that's the one thing that like, it could kill you. Um, very uh, possible to lo- you, you walk into work every day, not knowing if today's going to be the day that you lose a finger or a limb. Right. Right. <laughs> um, 10,000%. Um, it's a to us. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, just there are things that are a good look and it's like um, when you are cleaning a muscle to make it pr- like ready for retail, um, you generate trim. So like there's not all the beef that is on a muscle is going to be used uh, as like part of the steak. And so it's trimming as you go is a good look and it's like something that you get better at as you become a butcher. And so like that's like part of like maintaining a clean workspace. So whenever you cut something off of a muscle, it's either getting uh, put into a bag, into a bin, into the trash, or like it's appropriate place, but just not left with your stuff. Um, Just telling people where you're at. (laughs) 
behind, under, over. That's kind of an industry standard one. Um, I have a knife and I'm behind you. Yeah. Taking, like, if, I don't know, if you see shit around, take it to the dish bit. That's, I know, I love that. Yeah. Every motion should have a purpose. Right. And because, like, time is your, like, most valuable commodity. Like, generally, people in service are hourly. So, like, every minute is, like, billable hours. And you're working in a time crunch almost all the time. So, like, make every step count. And, um, also, that feeling of working with efficiency is just like, ugh. Beautiful. You know, the action I'm doing, which is like nips are hard. Leaning forward. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I- yep. Yep. Shoulders Her together. Shirts hanging out. Yeah. Gargoyling, basically. <laughs> Love that. So I have, that is all that I have for you. Aw. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you think of anything else. I will be perched in my windowsill like a cat for the rest of the day reading. Is there anything that you would like to plug? If you haven't watched 30 Rock yet, then... Rebecca's a large 30 Rock fan. Huge. Huge. Um, I don't know. Um, Learning to accept your circumstances has been a big part of this quarantine experience. So... um, my only thing to plug is maybe just uh, listen to some self-help podcasts. Maybe this one. And um, just <laughs> Learn try some to, things. Yeah. Confront your feelings and do good by you. Seriously. You have no excuse. Be better every day. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah I'm going <laughs> to fucking prison tap that to my ankle this weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted, honored, and this has been such such a treat to have some socialization in this wild I know. It's, wild it's been fun feeling like... I'm, never mind. I don't even know what I was going to say. Forget it. Yeah. Some, but thank you. I'm going to go eat some more of your cookies. Cool. I'm going to go probably have another cider. Maybe two. Kill them. Bye. Bye.